Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. We're going to open in Isaiah, and this is a stunning passage of Scripture. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. second reading uh, comes from Psalm 126. It's all of one. Psalm 126. It's a short psalm. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. And then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying the seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. This morning is all about new creation. That's the theme of the passage, the scriptures that we're reading today, and I was reflecting does the cross mean for us? Well, the cross reminds us that that is the pathway to new creation. It's not just, we don't get to skip that bit. Um, 
Repentance is the pathway through which we step into and receive. It's not how we achieve new creation, it's how we receive it, though. And so the language of repentance is powerful. So this is the entire statement from Pope Francis this week. He said, good morning and welcome. I thank Bishop Poisson for his kind words and each of you for your presence here and for the prayers that you have offered. I am grateful that you have come to Rome despite the difficulties caused by the pandemic. Over the past few days, I have listened attentively to your testimonies and I have brought them to my thoughts and prayers and reflected on the stories you told in the situations you described. I thank you for having open hearts to me and for expressing by means of this visit your desire for us to journey together. I would like to take up a few of the many things that have struck me. Let me start from saying that it is part of your traditional... Let me start from a saying that is part of your traditional wisdom. It is not only a turn of phrase, but also a way of viewing life. Here's the quote. In every deliberation, we must consider the impact on the seventh generation. These are wise words, far-sighted, and the exact opposite of what often happens in our own day when we run after practical and immediate goals without thinking of the future and generations yet to come. For the ties that connect the elderly and the young are essential. They must be cherished and protected lest we lose our historical memory and our very identity. Whenever memory and identity are cherished and protected, we become more human. In these days, a beautiful image kept coming up. You compared yourselves, he's speaking to the First Nations people of Canada, you compared yourselves to the branches of a tree. Like those branches you have spread in different directions. You have experienced various times and seasons and you have been buffeted by powerful winds. Yet you have remained solidly anchored to your roots, which you kept strong. In this way, you have continued to bear fruit, for the branches of a tree grow high only if its roots are deep. I would like to speak to some of those fruits which deserve to be better known and appreciated. First, your care for the land which you do not see as a resource to be exploited, but as a gift of heaven. For you, the land preserves the memory of your ancestors who rest there. It is a vital setting, making it possible to see each individual's life as part of a greater web of relationships with the creator, with the human community, and with all living species, and with the earth, or common home. All this leads you to seek interior and exterior harmony, to show great love for the family, and to possess a lively sense of community. Then too, there are the particular riches of your languages, your cultures, your traditions, and your forms of art. These represent a patrimony that belongs not only to you, but to all humanity, for they are expressions of our common humanity. Yet that tree, rich in fruit, has experienced a tragedy that you described to me in these past days, the tragedy of being uprooted. The chain that passed on your knowledge and the ways of life in union with the land was broken by a colonization that lacked respect for you, 
tore many of you from your vital milieu and tried to conform you to another mentality. In this way, great harm was done to your identity and your culture. Many families were separated. The great numbers of children and great numbers of children fell victim to these attempts to impose a uniformity based on the notion that progress occurs through ideological colonization. Following programs devised in offices rather than the desire to respect the life of peoples. This is something that unfortunately and at various levels still happens today. How many forms of political, ideological, and economic colonization still exist in this world? Driven by greed and thirst for profit with little concern for peoples, their histories, their traditions, and the common home of creation. Sadly, this colony, this colonial mentality remains widespread. Let us help each other together to overcome it. Listening to your voices, I was able to enter into and be deeply grieved by the stories of the suffering, hardship, discrimination, and various forms of abuse that some of you experienced, particularly in the residential schools. It is chilling to think of determined efforts to instill a sense of inferiority, to rob people of their cultural identity, to sever their roots, and to consider all the personal and social effects that this continues to entail, unresolved traumas that have become intergenerational traumas. All this has made me feel two things very strongly, indignation and shame. Indignation because it is not right to accept evil and even worse to grow accustomed to evil as if it were inevitable, an inevitable part of the historical process. No. Without real indignation, without historical memory, and without a commitment to learn from past mistakes, problems remain unresolved and keep coming back. We can see this these days in the case of war. The memory of the past must never be sacrificed at the altar of alleged progress. I also feel shame, sorrow and shame for that role that a number of Catholics, particularly those with educational responsibilities, have had in all these things that wounded you, in the abuses you suffered, in the lack of respect shown for your identity, your culture, and even your spiritual values. All of these things are contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the deplorable conduct of those members of the Catholic Church, I ask for God's forgiveness. And I want to say to you with all my heart, I am very sorry. And I join my brothers, the Canadian bishops, in asking your pardon. Clearly, the content of the faith cannot be transmitted in a way contrary to the faith itself. Jesus taught us to welcome, love, serve, and not judge. It is a frightening thing when precisely in the name of the faith, counterwitness is rendered to the gospel. Your experiences have made me ponder anew those ever-timely questions that the Creator addressed to mankind in the first pages of the Bible. After the first sin, he asks, Where are you? In Genesis 4-9, Where are you? Where is your brother? These are the questions that we should never stop asking. They are essential questions raised by our conscience. Lest we ever forget that we are here on this earth as guardians of the sacredness of life and thus guardians of our brothers and sisters and brothers and brother peoples. 
at the same time, I think with gratitude for all those good and decent believers who in the name of the faith and with respect, love, and kindness have enriched your history with the gospel. I think for joy, I think with joy, for example, of the great veneration that many of you have for St. Anne, the grandmother of Jesus. Nowadays, we need to reestablish the covenant between grandparents and grandchildren, between the elderly and the young, for this is a fundamental prerequisite for the growth of unity in our human family. Dear brothers and sisters, it is my hope that our meeting in these days will point to new paths to be pursued together, instill courage and strength and lead to greater commitment on the local level. Any truly effective process of healing requires concrete actions. In a fraternal spirit, I encourage the bishops and the Catholic community to continue taking the steps towards transparent towards the transparent search for truth and to foster healing and reconciliation. These steps are part of a journey that can, that can favor the rediscovery and revitalization of your culture while helping the church to grow in love, respect, and specific attention to your authentic traditions. I wish to tell you that the church stands beside you and wants to continue journeying with you. Dialogue is the key to knowledge and sharing. The bishops of Canada have clearly stated their commitment to continue advancing together with you on a renewed, constructive, fruitful path where encounters and shared projects will be of great help. Dear friends, I have been enriched by your words and even more by your testimonies. You have brought here to Rome a living sense of your communities. I will be happy to benefit again from meeting you when I visit your native lands where your families live. So I will close by saying until we meet again in Canada, where I will be able to better express to you my closeness. In the meantime, I assure you of my prayers upon you, upon your families and your communities. I invoke the blessing of the Creator. Thank you. Without declaring this a perfect letter or statement of apology, I just want to just it, it just bears for us to spend time reflecting on on this and what happens, what can happen when we start to mistake our own sense of uh, purpose, greatness uh, with that of the kingdom and, and, and forget Jesus in the middle of pursuing what we think the kingdom might be. And, and I just, I, I feel like I want to state solidarity with so much of what is said there. And so, Lord, we ask that you would that you would move through the peoples of this land, through the first peoples of this land. We ask that you would continue to build and to renew the good roots, to restore the good roots that are there. We ask that your name, Jesus, would be a name that would be one that would be life-giving, that would be a renewing and a reconnecting even with, their, with, with the story of their people. And Lord, we, we just ask that you would continue to lead and to teach your church humility. I have the words of Jesus in my mind right now. Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they do. And of course, those words were uttered on the cross. And if we consider for a moment that it's not just the words that Jesus said, But I believe that's the expression that was on his face. An expression. Think of the expression of forgiveness. 
what that looks like on the face of someone who you've hurt. Meaningful, loving forgiveness on a person's face. Is there nothing more freeing to a weary heart, to a burdened heart, to a heart that is full of shame than to see that expression on somebody's face? The words mean something, but the expression means so much more, doesn't it? And it's the expression that is on the face of God. The reading this morning from the Gospel is from the Gospel of John. It's from chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had risen from the dead. Here a dinner was given to Jesus. A dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among him, reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. It was $50,000 of perfume that you just poured out on your feet, Mary. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And so, Lord, as we reflect on the change of the, of the timber of your voice, as you got closer to the cross and you started to speak things like that, I will not always be with you. Lord, we know that we live in a in-between time, and we are so thankful for the gift of your Holy Spirit. And we so long to be with you, Jesus as Mary was in that moment. And God, in the, as we are in this space, we ask that you would continue to stir us to give our expensive gift, our costly gift. And Judas was the one who put a figure on it. It's the response of, this is what I have to give you, Lord. And we want to do that this morning. We want to do that in all seasons, to be responding to you, to be aware of your presence, to be aware of where your Holy Spirit is leading us and where we can, filled with your Holy Spirit, pour out our lives as you poured out your life, to, to journey with you to the cross, as Paul reminds us, to, to change our measurement of what is valuable and what is right, 
and to recognize that in light of your riches, it's all garbage. That you, Lord, give us a great gift and ask us to pour it out, ask us to spend it, ask us to invest it, to not bury it in the ground, but Lord, that there would be a yield that would come. And we pray for that in our lives. We pray for the yield of our expensive deposit. I don't have a big teaching this morning, but I really felt like in the cadence of the morning, the cadence of the morning is one of there's repentance. There is, we've, we've heard words like shame and regret. It's been a journey, a sacrifice, expensive pouring out. I felt like the cadence, the weight of the word that we've lived in today is on new creation. That the emphasis is on new creation. And a reminder that we, that we get through there through, <laughs> through a challenging journey. We get there through no way but the cross. And that's not some hyper-exclusive, this is just the truth. We do not get to new creation without stepping into the death of Jesus. We don't get there without repentance. We don't get there without bringing our burdens to the cross, laying them down. But the emphasis is not on the shame, is not on the pain, is not on the darkness. The emphasis is not on how hard the journey is. Jesus said, you know, or Paul said, for the hope that was set before him, he endured the cross, right? For the joy, actually. Not hope, but the joy that was set before him. The joy of new creation, the joy of all things new. And so, Lord, we, this fifth Sunday of Advent, we're just a couple of weeks away from Easter Sunday, Lord, that you would continue to light up in us the new creation, the thing that is coming to life. God, help us to embrace the journey you have for us. Help us to have courage in the face of the, of the hard things, courage in the face of repentance, courage in the face of, of confession, Lord. Um, but God, keep our hearts light with the anticipation of new creation, our hearts hopeful with the light of new creation. Lead us in the way of love everlasting. I know we speak of life everlasting and we're also speaking of love everlasting. Those two things are so intertwined. Eternal life is a thing, not because we suddenly become superheroes when we're resurrected or however all of that works, but because the sustenance of Jesus will be enough to sustain and the sustenance of Jesus is love. And so God, we thank you that your love is eternal, that it is unending, that it is unconstrained, uh, that there is no sense of lack, but only abundance. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.